Guys, I'm out early today, so uh, you got to kind of get ready to go a little bit faster if you've been asleep. Time to wake up and get going. We're going to have a little more extended time of worship uh, at the end of the service today. Um, I don't want to speak for everybody, so I'll speak for most bodies that are here. I think I speak for most of us, or a lot of us. When I say that a lot of us like action movies, like when it comes to movies, we want something happening. We want something happening all the time. We want things blowing up. We want, we want car chases. We want fights. We want somebody on fire. We want a dinosaur eating somebody. We want somebody coming, falling out of an airplane. We want a dinosaur eating somebody on fire as they fall out of an airplane. Like, we just want it. We want keep my attention. I don't want to feel like I'm dozing off. Uh, maybe it's spy espionage for you. Uh, maybe it's Raiders of the Lost Ark or, or something like that. But, but you want something to engage you, uh, most of us. We, we want action all the time. Not that dramas can't be good, but we, we want action. If I'm paying for a movie ticket buying popcorn and a drink I want you to keep me awake the whole time I want to be guessing I want to be entertained um, there is a book in the Bible that is non-stop action as a matter of fact it's called acts as in action there is stuff happening all of the time it is somewhat chaotic occasionally the scene shifts from place to place and even country to country and person to person. It's something's always happening. There's earthquakes and people go to prison and there's murder conspiracies and there are riots in the street. Like All of this stuff is constantly swirling and happening in uh, the book of Acts. It's constantly kind of grabbing at your attention. It's an unusual book in that it's not really like any of the other books in the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament you may know are what we call the Gospels. It's the story of the life of Jesus. So they focus on one person. This is the story of one person from four different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then on the other side of Acts are the letters. And those are describing how we should live out the spiritual life, what, what our character should look like, how we should handle conflict. A lot of the letters are about conflict or problems in the early church, and this is how you need to handle those, this is what you need to think about those. Uh, they're, they're often theological in nature. Like here's how to understand what Jesus taught about this. Here's how to understand this particular belief or doctrine. But, but in Acts... It's not a story about one person. It's a story about a lot of different people. And the, the lens is kind of constantly shifting between people and places all of the time. And, and, and telling us what the action was after the life of Jesus. The, the, the book of Acts really is trying to answer a particular question. And it's this question. What happens next? What happens next? Uh, I, after the life of Jesus, we understand for the first time in human history, we understand the complete plan of God for salvation. Like the Old Testament had been pointing in that direction. The prophets had been kind of giving us hints and clues about what that was going to be like. In the Gospels is God's way of saying, here it is. 
No more, no more illustrations, uh, no more pictures. This is my plan. The puzzle pieces all kind of come together in Jesus. The Son of God comes to live and die and rise again for the forgiveness of our sins, salvation of those who would put their faith in him. That's it. That's the picture. And then Acts comes along and says, okay, well, what after that? What's next? What's next? Because what's next is, is not us just saying, yeah, I, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I agree with all of that. I comprehend this story about that person, Jesus. I agree with all of that. The book of Acts tells us there's something for us to do after that. A a after we acknowledge Jesus as our Savior, after, after we put our faith in Him, there's a life we're supposed to live. Right? That, that's what the book of Acts is trying to show us. The book of Acts shows us that the spiritual life is not just lessons to be learned, it's a life to be lived. It's not just lessons to be learned. It's not just principles to be memorized and agreed with. It's supposed to take over our life. We're supposed to embody what Jesus came to do. We're, we are supposed to step into what God is doing next. His plan and His purpose for the world, in other words, our life is not supposed to be a slow, artsy, boring indie movie. Uh, apologies to those who like indie movies. They're not all boring, I'm sure. This is just an illustration. Just go with me. It's not supposed to be this boring. Yeah, I agree with that. Salvation is supposed to usher us into a new life, a new calling, a new direction that God has a plan and you get to be a part of that plan. You and I, we get to step into the action of that plan. Not just believe there's a plan, not just know about the plan, to step into the plan. It's the age-old tension of knowing more than we do as followers of Christ. Like We often know a lot more than we obey. We know more of the Bible than we live out. We know more principles than we actually put into practice and acts is that pivot point in uh, the Bible that says, no, you're supposed to be fully engaged with this. You're supposed to step into this moment. You're, you're supposed to allow God to use you in his kingdom. What James would later write in his letter, uh, later in the New Testament, you can't just be hearers of this stuff. You've got to be doers. You can't just get it all down mentally. You can't just pass the test. You have to step into God's plans for the world and for your life. Because what we discover in the book of Acts is that in the book of Acts, the gospel goes viral. That's the, that's the theme of this series. In the book of Acts, the gospel starts in one little place with one little group of people, and it, goes, it spreads everywhere. It goes, it goes viral. Some of you on social media, like that is your... That's your big goal right there. Like if I could just go viral, if I could get, if I get a post, if I get a tweet, if I get a TikTok to get 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 views, like that would be so awesome. Some of you are working at that all the time. You're, you just want to post something. You want to put a meme up there. You want to make a video. makes everybody laugh, laugh, and it just spreads. That's what going viral on social media is about, right? It's about increasing your reach engaging more and more people, more and more people seeing what you did. This is what happens in the book of Acts. The gospel, it expands its reach. 
It engages new and different people. More and more people start liking the gospel, committing their life to the gospel. It begins to spread. That's what viral means in a social media uh, aspect. But there's also the, the medical viral, right? A virus. Viral, for most of us, is the last thing we want to hear when we make a doctor's appointment, isn't it? When you go to the doctor, you take time out from your day, and let's be honest, you just want drugs. Right? Just give me the antibiotic. Like, I want to take something today and feel better tomorrow. The last thing you want to hear the doctor say is, mm, it's viral, just got to run its course. Like, don't you hate that answer? No, I want a prescription. I want to take some drugs. It's just viral. It's just got to run its course. What does a virus do? A virus finds a place in your cells and it starts multiplying, doesn't it? It starts spreading. It starts growing. And your immune system has to kind of rise up and, and beat that back. And yes, I know there's all things wrong with taking antibiotics for things you shouldn't take antibiotics for. Okay, all you medical people, I'm on your side on that. I'm just telling you, casual, non-medical person, we want drugs. <laughs> we, want, we want some drugs. What happens in the book of Acts is the gospel starts multiplying in more people. You know, like moving from cell to cell to part of your body to part of your body. This is what's happening in Acts. The gospel's moving from this place to that place, getting in that person and traveling over to that person and then taking over this country. Right? It's just moving and moving and more people are coming to faith in the book of Acts. The gospel goes viral. So we're, we're going to do a really fast six-week sprint through this action-packed uh, book. So we got to divide it up some way. Like I had to pick a way to divide it up into six, uh, six messages. This is not the only way to divide up Acts. I'm just sharing with you kind of foundational, kind of letting you know this is kind of where we're going. This is how we're going to divide it up. Uh, the book of Acts, in addition to all of its action. It's movement, it's chaos at times. It's people in jail, people out of jail, earthquake, riots. In addition to all of that, the author, whom we'll talk about in a minute, the author pauses throughout the book to kind of summarize what's happening. I think he was afraid that we wouldn't get the point. Uh, I think he was afraid that in all of the action, we would miss the underlying story of this book. So, he summarizes things throughout the book. We're not going to study all of the summary statements, but there are five very similar summary statements in the book of Acts. Six sections, five summary statements that come in between those six sections that kind of help us know this is, this is what's happening. By the way, quick commercial break. We're inviting you to read the book of Acts as we go through this study over the next six weeks. In the seat pocket in front of you, unless 930 stole all of them, in one of the seat pockets in front of you, there's a little card that says viral at the top. It's a breakdown of how we're going to read Acts together as we go through this service. So I'm going to teach on a section, and then we're all going to read about that section the week after. If you don't have a card, it's on our, uh, our website. Front page, uh, welcometojourney.com. There's a reading plan for Acts. If you'd rather do it that way, uh, it links straight to you version, so you can pull up the passage that way as well. You can take the card, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, read with us every day. Short little sections we're going to read 
every day. Back to the story. Six sections. Between those sections are five summary statements. I'm going to read all of the summary statements this morning. And then we'll encounter them as we go through the book. Here are the five summary statements. The first one is in Acts 6-7. So we're going to go up to Acts 6-7 today. Here's the, here's the statement. So the word of God spread. It went viral. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Skip ahead, Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Right? So chapter 6, he pauses to say, gospel spreading. Tell some more story. Chapter 9, he pauses to say, hey, don't want you to forget, gospel spreading. 12.24. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Acts 16.5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily. Every time he stops, he's saying, hey, it's still growing. Wherever it goes, whatever city it's in, it's still growing. Whoever's there, it's still growing. People are still coming to faith. Wherever it goes, it grows. That rhymes. Acts 19.20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That's the underlying momentum of this story. There's tragedies, there's heartache, there's problems. We're going to cover those. We're not going to ignore those. There's struggles. Things don't always go well, but the author keeps pressing the pause button to say, I don't want you to miss this. Gospel's growing. No matter what city we're in, people are coming to faith, church keeps growing. No matter what problems we face, gospel keeps growing, church keeps adding people. It just keeps going and going and growing. It keeps going viral. And it's not that the problems aren't important. We're going to address those. It's not that the challenges aren't real. It's just underneath the whole thing, the gospel was growing. People were coming to faith. Lives were being changed over and over and over what's next after jesus dies rises again and goes back to heaven not just learning stuff not just memorizing stuff what's happening after jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven is that story started taking over the world started changing people's life you could not keep that story down in the first century so let's Back up to the beginning, kind of get a running start, lay some foundation as we look at this book. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So we learn right away that whoever wrote the book of Acts wrote a former book. He there's, there's a volume one, Acts is volume two. The person who wrote Acts is Luke, which may be familiar, because there's a gospel called Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. The person who wrote the gospel of Luke, Luke, wrote Acts. And really, it's not two stories. It's one grand story in two volumes. Volume one, life of Jesus. Volume two, 
what happened after the life of Jesus on earth. What's next? What happened next? Volume 1, Volume 2. He wrote both of these stories, just a little bit of trivia. He wrote both of these stories to someone named Theophilus. If you, if you read the beginning of Luke, he mentions this Theophilus person in Luke, mentions him again. He had, he had been commissioned in some way by Theophilus to gather information and put it in an orderly fashion. The problem, I'll go ahead and answer the, the question. The problem is we don't know who Theo is. Like we got... We don't have a clue. There's arguments. There are people who say, well, it had to be somebody like this, or it had to be somebody like that. None of us serves our study of this book right now in this series. So just know there's some guy we're going to meet when we get to heaven. It's going to be Theo. We're going to go, oh, it was you the whole time. Right now, we don't know who that guy was. Like often happens when you do a part two, right? Acts is part two. If you're, watching, uh, if you're watching a sequel to a movie or if you're binge watching and you, and you get to episode number two, usually what happens at the beginning is they kind of recap episode one, right? They recap the movie before at least the end so you know where we left off and where we're starting. Luke does this in Acts. He kind of backs up a little bit into the end of Luke and says, okay, everybody remember, this is where we left off, verse 3. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to his followers over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. What did he speak about? The kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's, he, he, Jesus is going back to heaven, and he promises that when he leaves, God's Spirit is going to come into the world. And if this is new to you, um, our faith... Believe, teaches, believes in a God who is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't fully understand that concept. It's called the Trinity. It's kind of beyond our ability to understand all that it means. It is not one God cut into thirds. That's not what it is. It's not one God who switches roles, like he's the, he's the Father, and then he switches, and now he's the Son. No, he's Father, Son, Spirit, all of the time, and yet one God. Jesus says, when I go back to the Father, the Spirit is going to come and stay with you. He's going to be a comfort to you, and he's going to give you power. So don't do anything until the Spirit comes to be with you. Uh, Verse 6. Then they, that's the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus must have rolled his eyes. What, what, what did we say that Jesus taught them? The kingdom of God. Five of you passed. Everybody else, you have to take the course again. Yeah, Jesus, Luke says, he taught them the kingdom of God. 
What do the disciples want to know? The kingdom of here, the kingdom of now. What about my kingdom? And in his whole time with the disciples, he has been trying to get them to stop asking that question because they keep asking that question over and over and over again, and it is a misguided question. First of all, they want to know, Jesus, when are you going to restore what used to be? Jesus, when are we going to get our power back? Jesus, when are things going to go back to the way they used to be? When are we going back to the good old days? Jesus, when are we going to be important again? Here's the thing about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus rarely goes back. Jesus rarely goes back. Jesus is always calling us forward. Jesus wasn't interested in going back to what the disciples thought was the great days. Jesus was calling the disciples to go forward to a bigger, more important mission. Same thing is true in our life. If you ever find yourself asking God to take you back to something, God's probably going to help you understand we're not going back. I'm trying to move you forward. I'm trying to move you to something new. I'm trying to help you understand something bigger. And, and, and God's goal isn't, let's get back to the way it used to be. Let's get back to the good old days. God's calling in our life is, let's go forward to what God wants to do next. Let's anticipate, let's be excited about what, what God wants to do going forward. Not only that, they want to restore the kingdom to Israel. And Jesus was never interested in the kingdom of Israel. He was only interested in the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come to set up a, a political government or an earthly leadership or, or an earthly king or earthly rule. And he was constantly telling his disciples, I'm not here for that. I'm not trying to do that. I don't care about that. I'm trying to bring the eternal kingdom of God more fully realized in this earth, in this place. Stop worrying about who's ruling. Stop worrying about who the king is. Stop worrying about who the government is here. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And for some reason, the disciples continually struggled to understand that Jesus was not trying to set up an earthly kingdom. Verse 7, Jesus' response, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. My translation, stop asking this question. I'm tired of this question. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They had never done this before. Again, it had never occurred to them that they should do this. And Jesus says, here's what's going to happen. The Spirit of God's going to come, and we're taking this stuff everywhere. We're letting everybody know about this message. Regardless of their culture or, or background or race or ethnicity or language or where they live or what their background is, the gospel is going to get to everybody through the power of the Holy Spirit. Seminary phrase, I'll throw at you today. I don't do that very often if you're new. Phrase you learn in seminary is a programmatic statement. A programmatic statement 
often comes very close to the beginning of one of the books of the Bible. It's not always there, but very often, especially in the New Testament, towards the beginning of one of the books of the Bible, there is a programmatic statement which tells you what the rest of the book is going to be about. And sometimes it's just very short, sometimes it's kind of vague, but it's a statement to say, here's where we're going with this. Here's what the rest of this letter is going to be about. For Acts chapter 1, 8, it's, uh, for Acts, it's generally agreed that Acts 1, 8 is the programmatic statement for the rest of Acts. The Spirit is going to come, He's going to give you power, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they lived, in Judea and Samaria, which was the surrounding area, and to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, the known world right now, you're going to go. You don't know all the places that are actually in the world, but the places that you know about, you're going to take the gospel there. The rest of Acts is how that happened. The rest of Acts shows us that promise getting accomplished and how it got accomplished. The what of Acts is the gospel is going to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what is going to happen. The rest of the gospel is how, the rest of Acts is how that's going to happen. What are the various means that God is going to use to advance the gospel to different places? And throughout this series, we're just going to pick up on some of those. But this week, we're going to take the most important one. This is the most important one that was always a part of the advancement of the gospel, and it's this. The gospel went viral through the power of the Holy Spirit. This spirit that God promised, that Jesus promised to his disciples, he provided and provides the power for us to live out the kingdom in this world to not get sidetracked by earthly things, to keep our mind and our heart centered on the kingdom of God, and then to participate in the kingdom of God and its character and qualities being experienced more fully here on earth. The Spirit is what gives us the power to do that. It's, it's, it's not just our strategies. Strategies can be a secondary importance. It's not just how smart we are. That can help, but sometimes it gets in the way, quite honestly. It is a dependence upon the Spirit of God at work in us, realizing we can't accomplish anything powerful apart from the Spirit. We can't accomplish anything eternal apart from the movement and the work of the Spirit. We are dependent on the Spirit of God to accomplish spiritual things. But here's the kind of the flip side of that. The good news of that is that nothing can stop the Spirit of God from accomplishing the mission of God. There is no adversary that can shut the Spirit down. There is no enemy that can stop what God intends to do. Again, this is one of the major messages of Acts. Jesus said the gospel would go to Judea, Samaria, and, and the known world. You get to the end of Acts chapter uh, 28, guess what has happened? The gospel's gone to those places. And the disciples weren't perfect. They made mistakes, and there were struggles and, and, and difficult things that happened. But in the end, the Spirit accomplishes the mission of God. That's our confidence. It's not in us. It's not that we think, well, we're great, and we're going to make this happen. We have confidence that the Spirit of God cannot be stopped. 
He will accomplish the mission of God in this world. It's, it's one of the greatest points of, of grief, if I can use that word, that I experience when looking at people who claim to be Christians today. It seems like we freak out about everything that happens in the world. It seems like every time there is some shift or there is some cultural thing or, or there is some decision, there is, every time there's an election, like we all freak out like, oh no, it's, it's not going to happen. The Spirit of God is not dependent on us or what's happening in the world to accomplish His mission. We can trust that He is powerful to get things done in the world. We just got to step into what He's doing. Stop shrinking back. Stop being afraid. Stop, stop thinking that everything that happens somehow spells doom for the ministry and the gospel and the message of Jesus. You're not going to stop it. The Spirit of God is going to accomplish the mission of God. And, and, and when Jesus says this to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, they have no idea how it's going to happen. None. They don't have a strategy. They don't have a vision board. They don't have a top 10 steps that we're about to, to, to take. They don't have concentric circles and, and lines going to different places. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. Jesus just says, Spirit's going to get it done. Just trust Him. Just obey Him. Just do what He tells you to do. Say what He tells you to say. Walk in the direction that He tells you to walk, and the Spirit will get it done, and you'll get to be a part of it. You'll get to see the beauty and the glory and the wonder of what the Spirit of God is going to do. Now, real quickly, here's what happens over these next couple of, of chapters in the people. The, here are the steps they take while the Spirit of God is doing what He's doing. Number one, the right next decisions were made. Just the right next decisions. If you kind of glance, if you have your Bible open, if you just kind of glance over the rest of chapter 1. The rest of chapter 1 is given to the disciples picking somebody to replace Judas. Remember Judas, he betrayed Jesus, he hangs himself, he's gone, he's out of the picture. And so they need somebody to fill his slot. Which honestly, when you think of kingdom of God, when you think of power of the spirit, that seems like sort of a mundane decision. We're just going to pick somebody to replace Judas this guy but but don't underestimate the power of just making the right next decision in your life when it comes to following the spirit of god what is the right wise decision to make next wise decision making is not opposed to what the spirit of god is doing often it, it creates an environment for the spirit of god to do his work and we're going to follow you we're going to make the wise next decision Sometimes when we think of the book of Acts and, and we think of the, the movement of the Spirit, we, we can perceive it a little as kind of the Wild West. Like, let's just all ride off and start doing something. Let's just start shooting every. Let's just go everywhere. Let's just, just go do something. It, it, it's kind of the, the proverbial taking on hell with a water pistol. Like, you've heard people say that. Like, we're just going to charge out there and go. Just, well, it, it wasn't necessarily just charging out there. They, they, they thought through, what should we do next? What would be the wise decision for us to make next? And they sought the leadership of the Holy Spirit in that. That's the second characteristics 
about this first part of Acts. The people were committed to prayer. Like, how do we know what that next decision is? Because we're asking God through His Spirit to show us. We're, we're constantly in communication with God. How do we access this power that is the Spirit? It's because we're always talking to Him. So we're always in communication with Him. We're always seeking Him. We're always wanting to know, what does He want me to do? What does He want me to say? How does He want me to live? The, the people were committed to prayer. I'll give you just a couple of examples. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and when his with His brothers. In other words, it wasn't just like a little group. It was like all of those who followed Jesus. The men, the women, the young, the old. All of them. They were committed to prayer because they, they wanted to hear from the Spirit of God. They wanted to walk with the Spirit. They, they wanted to know what they should do next. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 4.23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported that the chief priest and the elders had said to them, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. To God, if the, if the Spirit is going to empower us, how do we know what the Spirit wants? We're people of prayer. We're constantly asking. We're in communication with Him. We're, we're taking time throughout our day to talk to God, to, to hear from God, to, to be sensitive to what God may say to us. Third thing, they prioritize community. This was not individual act. This was not everybody just go do your own thing. Everybody listen to the Spirit and go in a hundred different directions. No, they were, they were sensing the movement of the Spirit in community because they were building relationships with other believers because they were being encouraged by other believers because they were looking out for other believers. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. All the believers were one. They weren't riding off in their own direction. They weren't doing their own spiritual things. They were bringing their spiritual hunger and their spiritual direction underneath the community of believers so that together they could discern what God was saying to all of them. Fourth, they found ways to meet the needs of those who lacked. In this, let's get the gospel out. Let's take the gospel to other places. Let's focus on the kingdom of God. They didn't forget that part of the kingdom of God is caring for those who are in need. Part of the kingdom of God is recognizing those who are marginalized, those who are left out, those who are poor, the widow, the widow, those without a family. Part of the kingdom is not just going out, but it's looking around us to see who, who can, whose life can we step into? Example, Acts 4.33. In God's grace <clears throat> was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. <clears throat> Once the Spirit of God began to work in their community, one of the examples that He was truly at work was that God's people would see needs and meet needs. They would see needs in me. They would care about somebody who needed care. They would respond to somebody who had a need. They were just rushing off in every direction. The gospel was the main thing. The gospel was going out. But part of living the gospel 
was recognizing those who had needs and seeing that somebody responded to that need. Last thing. They did not allow setbacks to keep them from the mission. There's another characteristic. All throughout the book of Acts, especially in this beginning part, they did not allow setbacks to throw them off of the gospel. Uh, sometimes we read the Bible and we read it as if it happens in a bubble, like everything was just right for that group of people. That's why that happened. Everything was perfect for them. We don't live then. We have complicating factors in our life. No, they had complications just like you and I have. They had struggles. They had difficulties in these first six chapters. They deal with people who aren't honest, people who lie, they deal with people who pretend to be a follower of Jesus, but they're really not a follower of Jesus. You get to uh, Acts chapter 6, and there's already a division. There's already, there's already First Baptist and a Second Baptist. They've already, it's already happened. Acts chapter 1, you got this group over here, and you got this group over here, and this group's met at that group, and that group's met at this group. Does that sound familiar? Like from the very beginning... There were these challenges and setbacks. We can't read the book of Acts and think, oh, well, everything was perfect for them. No, it wasn't. There were people. There were people just like you and me. And so they had these normal conflicts. They had these normal challenges. They just decided those conflicts and setbacks were not going to keep us from advancing the kingdom of God. People were going to get mad, and we were going to have to deal with that. There were going to be struggles, and we were going to have to deal with that. There were going to be difficulties, and we were going to have to deal with that. But the kingdom of God had to keep going forward. People needed to keep experiencing God. People need to keep getting exposed to the kingdom. They didn't, let, they didn't allow these little setbacks to keep them off mission, to pull them off of what God had told them they should be doing and as a result they changed that part of the world thousands and thousands of people come to know Jesus thousands and thousands of people commit their whole life to the gospel of Jesus what was next the book of Acts 2,000 years later we're still in the what's next phase What's next is us now. What's next is us. Like, as I say in basketball, we got next. Like, this is our act story right now. We're not just reading about something that happened in the first century. We're reading about what God wants to do right now in our act story if we trust the Spirit of God, if we follow the Spirit of God, if we're convinced that the Spirit of God will accomplish the mission of God for the kingdom of God. This is our act story. Don't, don't sit it out. Don't sit on the sidelines. Step into this moment. What God did 2,000 years ago, He's still doing today. The kingdom is still growing today. And you are invited into that work of the Spirit every day. God, thank you for the powerful move of your Spirit in the first century. But God, help us not to read it as some unusual movement that only happened one time to people we don't know in some part of the world where we don't live. 
Help us to read it and to know this is our act story now. 2023, this is our act story now. The kingdom of God is still moving. The kingdom of God is still changing people's lives. We want to be in on that. We don't want to just learn more and know more. We don't want to just agree with more. We want to be a part of more. We want to be a part of what your spirit is doing right here where we live and going out from here around the world. Whatever hesitations we have, help us to put those aside. Whatever fear we have that, that somehow you're losing you're losing because this is happening or that's happening. The Spirit of God will not be defeated. And we have the Spirit of God living in us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.